it gets to be rather challenging with each vendor's portal and the way that they want to accept orders and quotes. It's just a matter of where the work gets pushed off to. And, you know, it's because it's not one size fits all. And <laughs> it is a mess. And I wish, I, I honestly wish somebody would just clean it up so everybody could just have this unified experience. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. If you were to name the top 2-3 e-commerce platforms, I'm pretty sure you would have Magento on your list. Sure, there are always going to be pros and cons of every single platform, but you might find a lot more pros with Magento than cons. The pros are going to be especially applicable for businesses with complex products and catalogs. The businesses that are B2B are likely to benefit from Magento's capabilities. But can Magento be a good replacement for companies exploring enterprise-grade platforms such as SAP Hybris, Oracle Commerce, HCL Commerce, and Salesforce Commerce? If not, what would be the limitations of the platform? In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss Adobe Commerce or Magento's capabilities. We discussed their strength of being open source and which organizations will be the right fit for Magento. Finally, we discussed their unique capabilities such as B2B features, product model, shared catalogs, and workflow capabilities. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our e-commerce for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We review one vendor or the solution independently. And uh, for today, we are going to be reviewing a solution called Magento or Adobe Commerce. So it's going to be a lot of fun because obviously we have a passionate community for this solution. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta, principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP commerce digital transformation consulting firm. On that note, I am going to move to Robert for his intro. Good evening, folks. Uh, Robert Brown with Robert Brown e-commerce consultancy. I've been in the field for 20 years, helping organizations from small to enterprise level uh, implement best practices in, in digital and e-commerce. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Robert. And if you're in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure uh, you guys post your questions and comments. We typically try to cover them during the show. If we run out of time, we'll make sure that you guys are going to your answers. So Robert, on that note, I am going to start with the quick briefing and I am going to sort of position this particular solution in the right uh, frame and the right customer base 
uh, and going to compare all of the solutions that we have reviewed so far. So uh, in my mind, when I look at the, the overall e-commerce platform ecosystem, there are many different ways of thinking about. Uh, one way that we have been discussing so far is going to be slightly more you know, monolithic versus your newer breed of the platforms. Then the second segmentation that I think in my mind is going to be the SaaS versus open source. And that has been slightly more traditional division and that's how most practitioners uh, or the consultants, they uh, typically segmented these platforms. So uh, Magento obviously is going to be in the open source world and that's how it became so famous. Obviously it is championed by developer uh, community as well as IT and there are always going to be pros and cons uh, of whether you want to go for SaaS solution versus you want to go for open source solution. In the open source world, we are going to have two or three different solutions that are extremely popular. Obviously, one of them is WordPress, which is uh, which has humongous community. Uh, they have their WooCommerce solution, which is not very strong in general. Then you have Magento right now. Now, even the Magento practitioners, they are going to argue when they look at Magento, Obviously, you are not going to get everything as part of your community, which is typically the open source. And that's how the open source business model works. Just to be clear, open source is a business model. Okay. And you get code for free. You get access to the code. You still have to pay for your hosting. You still have to pay for your development and support. Again, there are pros and cons. And it's not that uh, just because open source, the code is is a free, it's going to be any cheaper. If you do your ROI and TCO analysis, they probably are going to come uh, to the same, uh, you know, uh, from the financial metric perspective. But again, you know, depending upon uh, what you want to do with the platform. Overall, from the size perspective, Magento is slightly bigger solution overall. Uh, you know, it could be slightly overwhelming, especially if you are going to be very small business. Uh, if you're very small, then probably you want to look for something like either WooCommerce, Shopify, uh, BigCommerce. Magento is going to be slightly bigger. It has that multi-store functionality international. So it is really designed for slightly bigger brands. Now, the next thing you are going to be thinking, okay, if it is bigger, then how does it compare with the other enterprise solutions in the market, which is going to be your SAP Hybris of the world, Oracle ATG, HCL Commerce, which is your IBM WebSphere Commerce. And Robert, you missed uh, the show last week. We reviewed them, wonderful solution, really good. Overall, the way HCL has done uh, development on top of that. So obviously in the enterprise space, you have the Salesforce com Commerce, uh, you have SAP Hybris, Oracle Commerce, as well as HCL Commerce. Uh, Gento and Adobe Commerce are definitely positioned there. Uh, you know, it is going to have, in my mind, very deep catalog functionality, okay? That is something I have not seen in any other platform, the way your catalog is going to be shared across your distributors, across your channels, and that's where the differentiation is going to be overall from the B2B functionality versus B2C functionality. When we think of B2B, we are looking at solutions such as AppiServer or Optimizely. Now, that is something that we have reviewed. They had very thick B2B, uh, especially for the industrial distributors, they had very strong uh, functionality there. Um, you are going to see similar layers here in the case of Magento as well. Um, so we are going to review all of that. I'm going to pause there. Robert, do you have any commentary right now? 
Yeah. So I, I think the big question here is, you know, you have to assess where your organization is in terms of maturity. Magento has been around for a while, so it's a very mature platform. They've they've covered a lot. They've they've built in a lot of features and functionality into their tool, but when you have a tool that's this mature, it is a lot for a newbie to take on. And, you know, it is it is absolutely not an appropriate tool for somebody new in e-commerce. You know, you, you need to grow into something like this. So some people get eyes bigger than their their tummy, as they yeah. said, yeah. you know, and, you know, think, well, let me just go for the best tool out there. Yeah, it's a great tool, but you have to actually know where your organization is because this tool to do what you want will require some customization. And that means that you have to have a team available, whether it's in-house or you're willing to pay for the outsourced team to make it do what you want. And eventually it will do almost everything that you want. It's just going to cost you time or money or both. Yeah, could not agree more, Robert. So great points there. By the way, one more layer that I missed uh, during our briefing, that is going to be the technology and the platform layer. So overall, from the segmentation perspective, in my mind, again, there are three lanes that most of these solutions are positioned. And obviously, the language or the technology that is being used to develop the platform, that is going to be a critical success factor for you. So let's say if you have your internal capabilities in the PHP world, then you know you are probably going to be leaning more towards that solution, which is going to be friendlier. Uh, to PHP developers. So again, in those three lanes, uh, you know, and I don't know if there is fourth, maybe there is fourth, Robert. So number one is going to be your PHP, which is the most common uh, yep. language for your web development in general, uh, just because of WordPress in my mind, okay? Uh, the number one is that. Number two, always, right now, I would think JavaScript is going to be the second most popular, especially in the web development community. I'm not talking about any other development, just the web development. JavaScript is going to be probably the second most popular. The third most popular is probably going to be Java. We still have a lot of enterprise platforms that are going to be built on Java. For example, IBM's Web Share Commerce, which is also called ACL Commerce now. And then SAP Hybris, they both are on Java. Obviously, Oracle Commerce is going to be on Java. <laughs> Uh, there is no second guessing there. Um, so, and then fourth is going to be obviously .NET. There are still some platforms out there. I believe Sitecore is probably on .NET and there are some more. So that's going to be the third or fourth layer that you need to be thinking about. Magento in our case is going to be very PHP centric language. Uh, and by the way, one more, uh, you know, I think uh, the problem that you mentioned, uh, Robert, and we are going to be discussing this uh, as well, uh, which is going to be slightly related to the speed when you are going to have a lot of transaction, especially in the B2B category, when you are doing this promotion, which is going to get a lot of traffic on your site. Um, a lot of people complain that Magento is not the best fit for that. And one of the reasons why they believe that that is not the best fit is because it uses framework as opposed to using the plain vanilla PHP. In general, when you utilize any sort of framework, then the development is going to be very thick. Okay, but what I personally like about this development is you want to have some sort of framework. Okay, the way you're, uh, you know, if you come from the Java development background, obviously you are going to know model view controller sort of framework. So here you are going to get the same flavor even in this case. Now, if you look at the Java script based framework, initially when Node.js started, they didn't have any sort of framework there. Even JavaScript was not even typed. 
but then Microsoft came up with the typed language, and now we have the, the at least the the typed language there. It's still not the compiled code, uh, you know. So in this particular case, you are still getting a little bit of enterprise capability. It's not going to be the same capability that you are going to get in the Java or .NET world, but then obviously it's going to be inconvenient because it's not <laughs> supposed to be easy when you look at the enterprise uh, grade uh, programming language. So I just wanted to cover th those two layers. Robert, I don't know if you have any build up there, any any comments? You know, those that are complaining about speed on Magento, it's, it's really a matter of having the right hardware and software in place, right? Exactly. So there are teams out there that solve for this every single day and ensure that regardless of the platform that you build on, you just need to make sure that you have the right infrastructure and teams in place to support it. So, you know, your CIO is going to take a look at what your house uses and whether they're comfortable expanding their core development platform into something else or not. And they usually make a decision based on that. And, you know, they understand the more sophisticated, more experienced CIOs understand that if you're going to move to a new platform, a, a new technology, that there is a lot that goes along with that to ensure that you get best in class. Yeah, that is such a great point. Uh, you know, in fact, I mean, see, I wanted to cover one more layer there, and then maybe you have some more points there overall from the uh, financial perspective. And, you know, when we were discussing this whole open source versus non-open source, and one of the factors why people like to go for Magento or Adobe Commerce is going to be the cost factor. In the case of SaaS, you are paying for each transaction. Technically, in the case of Magento as well, you are paying for that. Okay, the SaaS companies nowadays are driven by payment companies. So they sort of want to bundle the, the platform with the payment provider. In the case of Magento as well, you know, if you are doing credit card processing, obviously you have to pay for that. So in my mind, again, it all breaks even. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. You either pay per piece, you pay with headcount, you pay with infrastructure. You're going to pay. It's yeah. just a matter of how you want to do your accounting. Exactly. Exactly. Great points there. So if you don't have anything else, Robert, we'll uh, move to the slides now. Okay. Uh, so some of the points that we have already covered. So here, uh, you know, this is coming from Wikipedia. Uh, and here they are saying Magento is an open source e-commerce platform written in PHP that we have already discussed. Uh, it uses multiple other PHP frameworks, such as what? Laminas and Symfony. These are very famous, uh, you know, super popular uh, PHP frameworks. Uh, they might be a little legacy there, I guess. Uh, I don't know how many people are still developing in those frameworks. At least the WordPress community, in my mind, are still going to be heavy user of PHP. They have not moved yet uh, to Node.js. Um, so these are going to be very active, very well uh, you know, covered frameworks overall from the development perspective. So Magento source code is distributed under, you know, open source license. The Adobe actually bought this. Adobe had their own e-commerce platform before. And Robert, I don't know if you remember the name of the platform. They had the, what is that called? The Omniture. Uh, they had the analytics platform that was very robust. And they also had an e-commerce platform, if I remember correctly. Um, they were doing a lot of Flash-based development and the Flex-based development. It was very thick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
then they realize, you know, they have to go to open source because Magento obviously is very popular. Um, well, so I, I think that ended up being the big battle between Adobe and Apple. Apple yeah. cut off Flash like a guillotine. So that, that was kind of harsh for them. Exactly. But my understanding is that Apple was never into sort of the platform market. Uh, the reason why Adobe is in this market is because they obviously want to attract designers. Designers right. is their market, and that's why they want to have e-commerce because e-commerce is very heavily influenced by design. Yeah, Apple wasn't happy with Flash because of the resource constraints and the security. Yeah, yeah. could not agree more. Yeah, you are right. Okay, so here, uh, you know, they have a little count there for Magento or Adobe Commerce. So they are saying they have roughly 150,000 stores uh, for Magento. Now, you want to be a little careful there with these numbers. And I'll tell you why. Because in general, the customer base and the customer size for Magento or Adobe Commerce is going to be slightly larger. And we have seen this in the case of ERP as well. When you are going to be looking at SAP, SAP, the number of customers is going to be much lower. The same goes for your e-commerce platforms as well. When the size of customers are going to be higher, total number of customers are going to be lower. So typically, these numbers are produced uh, from the web crawlers who are going to be looking at, okay, we have a store number one. Okay, which pl platform are they using? And then they are going to think that, okay, this store is hosted on Shopify. This store is hosted on WooCommerce. And this store is hosted on Magento. And that's how they are saying 2.3% market share. Uh, but if you look at the uh, overall dollar volume, I'm not too sure if this is the market share is going to be this low, which is quoted as 2.32%. In my mind, I think these companies also position WordPress as roughly 50% market share. Uh, but, you know, every website is probably going to be hosted on that. So I don't know <laughs> how you take that. Uh, Robert, you have a comment. It's, it's, it's kind of like a pyramid, right? So, you know, the, the folks that are very, very cost conscious, you have the solopreneurs that are technically sophisticated that are going to go out and, and take Magento because they can easily manipulate it. And there's a lot of implementations of that. There's also a bunch of Xcard out there yeah. um, and WooCommerce. And, you know, it really doesn't act, as you mentioned, it really doesn't accurately reflect, you know, the large to enterprise level businesses that are doing, a, you know, a huge number of transactions in business. And that's really where people need to start paying attention. Yeah, could not agree more. Thank you so much, Robert, for that. So now we have some more comments here. Uh, this is about the Magento 2.0. They have done some significant improvement overall. Uh, you know, they have done some improvement overall in the database table locking issues. Um, you are probably not going to have as many database, uh, you know, locking issues in the case of WordPress, and the reason for that is because you have, you know, the number of tables that you are going to have there is hardly anything. I mean, you don't really have the, the functionality, so you are typically going to run in the plugin conflict. The data integrity is not going to be there. Magento is more of the ERP system in my mind, the way it is built, the way the database is built, okay? That's what you need for commerce transactions, okay? Because here we have money involved. Uh, wherever you are going to have money involved, you want to have slightly uh, stronger database and that's why the whole uh, you know correlation between your business object matters a lot and that's why let's say if you are going to be one to two five million dollar e-commerce business okay uh, you can host wherever you you like but you know once you grow from that point then you want to have 
slightly reliable database, uh, you know, and, and uh, an e-commerce platform, number one, that is going to have the right speed. And that's why, you know, if you are doing shared hosting, uh, once you grow to a certain point, then you probably want to move away from shared hosting and probably want to go for dedicated hosting. Um, yeah. Uh, any more comments, Robert? Well, it's, you know, I th really what we're talking about here, I think, you know, Magento is really um, the big boy on the block. Yeah. You know, so when we're people looking at this, if you're, you know, a thousand SKUs or less yeah. or, you know, you're. Your daily volume is, you know, a couple hundred transactions. You know, this this is probably overkill. Could not agree more. If you are at the hundred thousand SKU level, yep, this is more like your cup of tea. Yep. Um, and then, you know, when you're at the hundred thousand SKU level, you also have the volume that you're not on shared hosting. You're <laughs> you're you're on cloud, or you've got your own boxes, and you know, you've got your own team. Yeah. And you know it's the people that are in the middle that they're growing and they're like, okay, I was on WooCommerce and my next step is going to be to where. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Great points, Robert. Thank you so much for those. Um, so some more comments here overall from the, uh, you know, Machinto 2.0 perspective, by the way, this was back in 2015. So now we have spent roughly what, seven years now. And these all improvements were done either from the security perspective or from the database reliability perspective, uh, or it is going to be really the performance, which matters a lot overall when we consider the e-commerce platform because your SEO is going to be critical for these platforms. So you definitely want to think about that. And that's where these improvements are coming from. For example, your minified JavaScript, uh, improved static content, browser caching. Obviously, they have done a lot there. Just some more points overall from the database perspective. They are posted on MySQL. Obviously, MySQL is very well-known uh, database, there is no question about that. There are some enterprise-grade workload that are running on MySQL. Obviously, in the enterprise world, you are always going to have either Oracle or Microsoft SQL Server, but now you have SAP HANAs of the world as well. But MySQL, for the most part, especially in the tech world, when you are going to be looking at companies like Facebook, Google, they use uh, MySQL a lot overall. Uh, some of them may have modified uh, the code of MySQL because this is open source. Uh, so it's not that they are using everything that is going to be available from open source community. They might have done some performance improvement, but overall it is really designed for enterprise grade. It is not going to be as comparable as your SAP hybrids or Oracle ATG, and we are going to see this in the comments where people have complained about the performance when you are going to be talking about high volume transaction. Again, MySQL database is great for, uh, you know, I don't know if I can put a number there, uh, you know, but you are going to outgrow uh, MySQL. It's not really designed for that enterprise level uh, workload. So that is one point that you need to consider. Yep. The other thing that we have is, uh, you know, the Zend framework. I think a lot of developers complain that this is very legacy. It's going to have similar feeling as your Spring frame framework in Java. You know, people are going to complain that that is very thick development overall. But there are some things which are going to be needed in these frameworks. Some things are going to be unnecessary just because that's the way we have always done it. Uh, <laughs> so I still like uh, the framework-centric approach. Uh, because it sort of provides that encapsulation. You are going to have slightly more regulations in your development. You are going to get cleaner code. You are going to have 
clear roles and responsibilities so i personally like it uh, depending upon who you are what is the size of your organization okay so some more comments here overall from the uh, addition perspective so in, in the case of magento they offer two different solutions one is going to be your open source community which is very limited overall in terms of functionality obviously the whole idea of open source business model is one of the companies that are going to be backing the development they want to sell something out of it right uh, <laughs> that's how open source business model works so obviously if you are serious about your business you probably want to go for enterprise because that's where you are going to get the enterprise grade performance support security yeah, that is uh, probably you are going to be needing that when you are running a serious business so my personal recommendation is going to be go for at least the enterprise version which is going to have slightly more support and and security included uh, you need that overall and for those that that are growing they make sure that they help you transition between their versions yep so if you start with a community edition and you decide that you're not getting the performance you need they're not going to say hey you know you're punted to the curb and you have to figure it out yourself they're going to they're they're going to help you move along to yep. say you know the the cloud edition and get the better performance yeah could not agree more and robert i don't know whether you share this opinion or not i mean i definitely want to throw it out there and then seek your opinion because obviously you have led a lot of different IT organizations when we think more from the developers perspective sometimes they cannot really forecast the financial risk they are always going to be thinking about how can i save money for my organization and they are not really looking at the holistic picture okay how bad these decisions can fire back sure now right now you are looking at pennies when you are looking at the subscription but you know when you look at the complete financial risk and the financial feasibility of the platform sometimes these decisions fire back i don't know what your experience has been and that's why you know you want to involve your seasoned it people who have done a little financial analysis there of it investment well yeah so that that's a great point you know you have to ask the right people exactly you know your your line level uh coders your your managers they're not going to understand the financial picture it's going to exactly. be um your PMO office, the ones that are used to doing um, cost benefit analysis, yep. it's going to be your CIOs, it's going to be your, your financial analysts. They're the ones that are going to actually have the experience of taking a look at, you know, what it's going to cost to move to a different platform, what resources are specifically needed, whether it be people, technology, or both, and what we gain out of that. And that's part of a traditional PMO cost benefit analysis when you're actually looking at projects and prioritizing them when the company's going to invest millions of dollars. It's like, should I invest $4 million in project A or $4 million in project B? Where is my greatest ROI going to be? Yeah. And that's part of the analysis that needs to happen when you're deciding platform migration. Yeah, could not agree more. And sometimes what I have seen, Robert, in my experience, when you are going to be talking to developers, obviously they are going to be super passionate about specific technologies yep. that they really care for. And uh, sometimes it becomes a very difficult argument with them because uh, as the business owner, let's say if you're running five to $10 million business and they sort of know everything about your company, about your website. So you are going to be afraid that if I choose a platform, then I'm going to lose this guy. Uh, again, you have far bigger concerns that you should be looking at. Uh, and uh, it's great to hear developers perspective, but make sure you are analyzing everything because it does fire back. And that's why uh, having somebody like Robert on your side uh, as seasoned IT person, it could help you a lot. You know, there's a classic joke. What happens when you put a PHP, a Java, and a uh, C++ person in a room? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
do you i mean i don't know if listeners are going to be familiar with the joke so do you want to explain the joke as well robert well <laughs> each, each technology so the c++ is typically going to be a microsoft developer and so you yeah. got microsoft you've got yeah. java and then you got php which is open source and, yeah. and the three of them are going to be very passionate about their technology exactly. and they're going to fight tooth and nail for it so it just happens to be the one that screams louder and is bigger that's going to be the one that wins it does not necessarily the best technology yep I agree. And there are going to be political, um, you know, factors as well. Obviously, Microsoft is always going to be pushing for their technologies. You know, Oracle is going to be pushing for their technology. So make sure you understand the political space uh, landscape as well. <laughs> yep. That is always going to be in play. All right, guys. So here, do I have anything else? Uh, they are saying the product is designed for large businesses, but they have not quantified. In my mind, this is going to be, you know, slightly... Uh, mid-size upper to mid-size businesses, not really enterprise enterprise businesses. That's how I would position Magento. Uh, you know, it's not going to be too small, not too large. Uh, you know, somewhere in between. See when so if we go to Magento too, the comments. Uh, Magento caters to three levels: businesses, small business, mid-market, and enterprise. I I think it'd be really helpful if you quantify for the listeners what that size means in terms of e-commerce. You know, it, whether it's it's SKUs or transactions or what that really means. So honestly speaking, let's look at the reviews first. And I think we are going to get some data points. I don't want to overcome it myself by, you know, segmenting yeah. that and, 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 and sounding too prescriptive, which is something I don't like to do unless we have some sort of, you know, validation from the data point. Unless right. you have any other insight that you want to share. Uh, no, no, I, I, th I think it, but I think it's an important point to make, especially, you know, let's go to the public data points so people understand what that means. Exactly. And we are going to see a lot of flavors in the reviews as well, because, you know, those are the people who are actually living it. So <laughs> obviously they are going to tell you. <laughs> uh, okay. So some more slides here overall from the functionality perspective. One of the things that I found very unique. And that is very applicable in the case of B2B businesses is going to be sharing of the catalog. Okay, so this is a very multi-store, multi-company, uh, you know, structure. And you are going to be working with many different distributors. You are going to be granting access to them in terms of how they are going to be buying. So you are enabling your entire channel inside Magento. And that's where the sharing of the catalog is going to be super handy. So here we are talking about the whole process of exchanging your catalog if you are going to go to a distributor or manufacturer typically the way they operate is going to be they are going to be doing the physical copy of the catalog Salespeople get it and then you know they are going to be putting inputting that price in somewhere and then they are going to be doing some transactions so that whole exchange is very manual and ad hoc in nature and that's where your financial efficiencies are going to be let's say if you are not up not on e-commerce or you are very traditional business this is something that you want to look at and shared catalog is that feature that is going to help you in uh, promoting that exchange between your vendors now one layer that i want to cover more from architecture perspective is going to be when you are looking at your this whole vendor to uh, sort of you know customer interaction when you are talking about manufacturer to distributor interaction there are many different ways in which you can communicate with them when you are talking about accepting orders number one is going to be your punch outs number two is going to be your edis number three is going to be your magento like store so where it is going to be applicable is going to be let's say if you are dealing with very large retailers if they already have either the punch out system 
uh, as part of their architecture. For example, your Coupa or Ariba, if they have that, then most likely they will ask you to integrate um, you know, with their system. Otherwise, they might not do business with you. So that's number one. Number two possibility is going to be your EDI if the distributors are going to be EDI compliant. But now, let's say if you are looking at very mom and pop uh, you know, style distributors, now they are not going to have uh, as much digital capabilities overall, but you want to enable that digital exchange. Otherwise, you are going to be investing a lot in simply booking the orders, accepting the orders. That's where Magento is going to be really handy in that exchange uh, when you are dealing with very small distributors that might not have as strong infrastructure uh, overall from the systems or IT perspective. So this is going to be really handy for them. In your architecture, if you are a decent sized business, you might have all of those channels. You might be talking through your Coupa or Ariba or Pancharuts. Uh, you might be talking through EDI. You might be doing business on Amazon, eBay, those channels. And then finally, you might have these distributors who might be booking orders through Magento. So that's where your shared catalog is going to be really handy. And you know, Magento has one of the richest features that I have seen as far as the capabilities of shared catalog. Now, this is going to be very similar functionality as we have seen in the case of SAP Hybris, to be honest, but we didn't see as strong capabilities for sharing of the catalog. So I don't know how strong they are overall uh, in the B2B functionality. Some of the features were very strong in SAP Hybris that I had not seen uh, in the case of Magento. For example, let's say the coating functionality, we have always sort of doubted, okay, how many industries are really using the coating functionality. And Robert, I mean, I have validated this with uh, people like Phil. Obviously, they have spent their lives <laughs> in the distribution space, and he didn't know if the coating functionality is going to be useful. So the way coating functionality works is, okay, you have your SKUs, you have your price, you can place the order. But at the same time, you are going to have an option to be able to place your coat, okay? So the way quoting works is if you are not going to accept your price, then you can make an offer. It's almost like bidding or auction, um, you know, similar to that. And then your team is going to get the sales order. If you like that, you can approve, decline, uh, modify, send it back to your vendors. So that whole exchange is the quoting functionality that we have seen in three different systems. This one, as well as, uh, you know, the Happy Server Optimizely, uh, as well as SAP Hybris. And we have... Uh, you know, concluded that these three have very deep B2B functionality and their position. It's, yeah. you know, ha having worked for uh, or led, you know, in an e-commerce uh, company that was doing um, eight figures a year, it gets to be rather challenging um, with each vendor's portal and the way that they want to accept orders and quotes. Yeah. It's, and you know, it's just a matter of where the work gets pushed off to. And, you know, it's because it's not one size fits all. It is not. And <laughs> it is a mess. And I wish, I, I honestly wish somebody would just clean it up so everybody could just have this unified experience. Well, it's uh, harder than you would think, to be honest. I mean, the reason for that is because this is where we are getting into, number one, the political boundaries and number yep. two, system boundaries. Okay, the political boundaries, because it's not just sales and marketing that you are dealing with, because you have to deal with operations and fulfillment, and they are going to have their own choices in terms of the kind of systems um, they want to use. So there is always going to be this conflict between your e-commerce, WMS, ERP system, and it's very, very, very hard to pull off that architecture uh, that is going to work for everybody 
Uh, yeah. By the time you make everybody agree, uh, the architecture is going to look very new. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just, you know, it's when we look at representations like this, you know, people need to understand it's because some don't. Maybe, yeah. maybe you're only dealing with one or two vendors and it's like, oh, this this is really this is great. But then for the folks that are dealing with like 20 or 30 or 100, it's like, you know, they you literally have buyers that have an entire team of doing their buying because each vendor has different systems and trying to keep track of it all. It just gets to be a logistic nightmare. Exactly. Could not agree more, Robert. Thank you so much for that. Um, so the other points that I wanted to cover here that I found very unique uh, about this platform. So when you are going to be sharing the <coughs> excuse me catalogs, you are going to have just one company admin and that company admin is going to be responsible for logging in, managing sort of your account. So there is a little hierarchy there in terms of the way you are going to be assigning the permissions to each of the buyer, uh, you know, reps that are going to be interacting with your site. So the best way to think about this is going to be, okay, you don't want to expose everything to your vendors. You are going to be expo exposing only certain products at a certain price. That's why we have the catalog. And then, you know, everybody is going to have different sort of approval. For example, let's say if you are looking at junior buyers, they might buy up to 500, 5,000, who knows? Okay, then you are going to have the managerial layer. So you want to put some sort of algorithm there. Okay, if the um, amount is going to be more than 5,000, then you have some sort of approval flow. Now, all of that can be managed inside your Magento platform. But again, here, you are not talking about that ERP procurement workflow. Here, we are talking about only for those vendors that are going to be served by your Magento channel. And the best way to think about this is going to be, okay, how many channels are being served by Magento in your architecture? So you want to design uh, according to that. You don't want to over-architect Magento. You don't want to create your ERP system inside Magento. That's not a very clean architecture. Uh, otherwise, it's going to fire back. So make sure you have cleanliness in your architecture. And architecture is going to be super critical for your Magento to perform to its optimal performance, it's also going to be good for your other systems, whether you have ERP, WMS, whatever. Okay, so here, uh, you know, this is the same thing. Each company has just one admin per sales rep. A sales uh, rep can belong to multiple companies. And the reason why they have this functionality is because there are going to be independent reps that are going to be carrying catalog for many different manufacturers. So you need that functionality as well. Uh, you don't want to create duplicate instances of the same sales rep. So that's why, again, this is very B2B specific scenario. You are not going to find in platforms that are going to be very B2C focused, for example, Shopify. Shopify is not going to have as deep uh, data layers, um, you know, the way the product is architected. They are not going to change their data model overnight to be able to support these scenarios. So this is very B2B specific functionality where, you know, how your sales reps are represented, how your sales rep of your uh, customer is going to be represented inside your e-commerce platform. So those are the decisions that you need to make uh, when you are going to be implementing this. Okay, some more commentary here. Overall, from the, the vendor perspective, you can allow them to, to place codes or if you want to allow them, so you have the feature set. Uh, it's not that you have to enable that for every single distributor or the vendor that you might be working with. Again, you have all of those flexibility that I personally have not seen anywhere else. Now, you also have option to release purchase order. Now, in my mind, when I look at the purchase order functionality, sometimes that could get trickier, okay? So some businesses, the way they architect their systems is going to be, let's say, if you are looking at pure play retail shop, 
okay so for pure play retail shop they might not have as much fulfillment or the supply chain so for them let's say if they are going to be treating their store as the erp platform and finally send going to send all of the summarized transaction to your accounting platform that might be okay in the traditional retail world and that's why let's say if you talk about businesses 10 15 years back businesses were slightly easier when you look at the retail transaction you go to a store you go to e-commerce you buy that's it you are done okay your transaction is done but now in the e-commerce world the transaction is going to be slightly longer the way the transactions are going to okay so you are looking at involving your operations fulfillment the transaction goes to warehouse so as soon as the transaction is going to go to warehouse that's where the boundary of e-commerce is going to be trickier so if you are going to be cutting your purchase order from your budget to you might run into a lot of challenges you know how are you going to reconcile this data with the other channels that you might be serving through your erp or wms so you might want to be a little careful there if you are a pure play retail business where you don't have your supply chain involved then you are going to be okay but if your transaction is not going to be just the counter sale then you may want to utilize the erp purchase order functionality for the cleanliness of the architecture this is the uh, overall company structure i personally like this a lot the way this is structured inside magento so that's how they are going to be sort of uh, you know approving and releasing the permissions the way it is structured so this is going to be for any of the buyer reps that you might have that might be interacting with the platform they need to have the appropriate permissions the way you are going to have uh, you know inside your erp so this is the same permission set this is something that i have not seen in a lot of different platforms so this is where your enterprise capabilities are going to be that your permissions are going to be very handy if you are going to be working in organizations where you have very thick approval flow so this is where your magento is going to be super help yeah you want to switch the slides on that one switch the slides on that yeah so you're talking about the permissions permissions is the next slide right well yeah 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 so we are going to be talking about that as well <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah yes so, I, i actually you, love this their their permission capability it is it is such an undervalued tool for organizations exactly exactly and i personally have not seen this kind of permission set in any other platforms that we have reviewed so far i can almost guarantee that you know i i think i i saw it in uh, oracle commerce oracle commerce had really organized permissions and sometimes this could be very confusing and sometimes it could be very hard to manage as well uh, depending upon how many different roles you have and how many layers of permissions you have uh, you know in the case of erp you are going to get like million permission uh, you know so it becomes very difficult there as well uh, but even in in the case of e-commerce since now the permissions are going to be external okay so you might want to be a little bit more careful there uh, you know compared to your erp any other comments robert yeah the only thing that I, that i haven't seen from uh, any of the organizations and i may have missed it is permissions is a great tool to have workflow is also an important one as well exactly exactly uh robert so i do have a question there so how do you define the workflow workflow could mean a lot of different things yeah so workflow in in my thought process uh limited as it may be is um user a has permissions to say a uh review an order and once it's been reviewed then it and maybe modify it then it has to go to a supervisor to approve 
And once the supervisor approves, then it's submitted for execution. So that would be a workflow. Exactly. So I want to be a little careful there because what you are talking about is the e-commerce order workflow that is going to be for this channel. There are going to be other channels that may have similar workflow uh, as well. And now you don't want to think that, okay, everything related to workflow should be managed inside Magento because that's oh, no, not no, the idea. No, no. Oh, it, it, it needs to be siloed because, the, you know, Magento can't put its tentacles through every single process that you have. Exactly. Exactly. Great point. Thank you so much, Robert, for that. So let's uh, do a little time check there. So I think we have some time. So let's see. Let's cover some more slides here. So here, this is the approval rule flow. This is very interesting and exciting. In my mind, the way you can set up the approval flow that is going to be based on number of SKUs, shipping cost, order total, uh, which is very granular that I have personally not seen in any other platform. Obviously, enterprise great platforms are probably going to have this functionality. But for Magento, this is very interesting. The other things that I have seen is the way the catalogs are managed. I personally like this. In fact, the products that you are going to see on your public site, that is also managed as part of your catalog. So you are going to have the release process. Okay, which products are going to be released? You know, what price? Uh, and then you can manage that as part of just one document, one object, uh, which is exciting. And the way uh, I think we have uh, some reviews in which they are saying, even if you want to promote, let's say, 2,000 different products, 2,000 different price points, you can promote that with just one click. You can upload these spreadsheets, which is very handy for um, an e-commerce practitioner uh, if you are managing managing the price and product. This is the code functionality overall. Uh, you know, this is what uh, this is very similar to how we saw this in the case of SAP Hybris as well as Happy server. Uh, that's my recollection. So you can generate the catalog. You can request the code. So which seems to be a standard functionality uh, in the B2B space. So that uh, that is something you may want to consider if you really accept codes uh, from your distributors vendors in your micro industry. This is the the whole workflow related to orders or code. Uh, one that Robert was mentioning. So here you have ability to sort of modify. Uh, you know, decline code. But again, we are not talking about the ERP boundaries here. We are talking about just the Magento channel. Uh, you know, these are going to be the customers that are served through your Magento channel. Other, uh, you know, channels may have their own workflow. So make sure you are not mixing things there. The other things that I saw very interesting, which is going to be item wage uh, and country of manufacture. Uh, you might take these feature sets for granted, uh, but, you know, some of these things could be very hard to build in general, especially if you have to modify the database tables. If you are simply adding a field inside database, that is typically easier. But when you are going to get into that one-to-one -one scenarios, typically that is very hard, uh, you know, in any data model, especially if that might not be supported natively, and you might get into a lot of different issues. Sometimes the way developers like to deal with this is, okay, I don't have this supported natively as part well of the data model. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hijack a bunch of forms. I'm going to hijack a bunch of tables, and then I'm going to modify the hell out of it. And then obviously you are going to get a lot of data integrity issues because you are not really utilizing the out-of-the-box data model. And I really want to think more from the out-of-the-box data model perspective. So make sure you are paying attention to out-of-the-box data model, which is far more critical than simply looking at um, you know the feature set because feature set can be managed but data model very hard to manage in general the other things that i would like to highlight here related to magento is going to be overall the complexity of the product okay if you look at the complexity of the product uh, magento is really designed for very complex products 
the products that are going to have many different dimensions, many different variables, many different categories, uh, the whole configurator experience, if you really talk about, that's where Magento really shines because that is all part of the data model. Okay, you are not using a plugin and the plugin is going to have their own separate area, their own separate team. So again, going back to data integrity. So here, this is all packaged as part of the solution. You are not going to find this piece of functionality in WooCommerce. Okay, so it might sound flexible, but from the data integrity perspective, okay, WooCommerce is not really designed for that. Shopify probably is not designed for that. So if you are looking at very complex product in the B2B scenario, that's where Magento or BigCommerce uh, you know, are going to be handy. Obviously, any of the enterprise-centric platforms, they are going to be really good at that. But even in the enterprise, there are going to be, uh, you know, segmentation, whether the data model is really designed for B2B or B2C. So make sure you pay attention. to. This. So category architecture, personally, I'm a big fan of the way category architecture is done inside Magento. The amount of, uh, you know, layers that you have as part of your category architecture, everything is at one place. It's very traceable. I personally like the category architecture a lot and category architecture matters a lot in general. Uh, if you look at WordPress, it becomes very confusing in general when you are going to be sort of navigating. But here you have the tree based architecture. It's just going to be very easy to be able to navigate. OK, how your categories are going to be when you are dealing with millions and millions of skills. <laughs> this is where this is going to be really handy. OK, so some reviews here we can cover, uh, you know, one or two, I guess. Um, so here the customer base and, and Robert, I don't know if you're going to get the sense for the question that you had asked overall uh, more from the customer size perspective. But here we are looking at this person is email marketing analyst. Marketing advertising is the industry 51 to 200 employees. In my mind, this is the right size um, you know, customer for Magento. So here she is saying it allows for a lot of custom development uh, so you can accomplish the goals you want to achieve with your site. Okay, I always want to be careful with the custom development. Okay, custom development is great in the case of e-commerce because you want to do a lot of custom, but custom development does not mean that manipulating your data model. Okay, data model is where the real truth. Okay, so make sure you select a product that is going to be designed for your business, for your uh, you know data model that is going to be applicable in your industry. You can customize UI, you can customize HTML, JavaScript, no problem there at all. Uh, but when it comes to the real data model, data model, data integrity, be careful with. So I'm, I'm, you know, sometimes you have to take a look at the reviewers title. Exactly. And, and where they're coming from. Exactly. To weigh their review. So in this case, this is an email marketing analyst. And so what they're trying to do is put together email campaigns and tie the campaigns into functionality within the e-commerce platform to generate more sales. And so, yeah, it's it's this is not a plug and play drag and drop platform yep. that you may be used to in, say, MailChimp. Exactly. And honestly speaking, I mean, even though Magento is going to have the email marketing capabilities, I don't see a reason why you would use Magento for your email marketing. You, you probably want to use something like HubSpot or, you know, ActiveCampaign or uh, MailChimp, as you correctly pointed out. That is going to be far easier than messing up with your e-commerce data model. Yeah. You know, so in this case, buy two, get one free. It's like you can put a promo code in and you get the third one free. So you want in Magento. So, you know, I'm not quite sure how valid their their issue is there, but just just me. 
so uh, Robert, just to be clear there, I think she, even if let's say she uses HubSpot or Active Campaign or any other marketing automation platform, these systems still need to get data from your Magento or ERP to yep. be able to do the campaign, right? So here, you know, you are probably going to be utilizing some sort of plugin to be able to accomplish this functionality, which is not very easy. And again, in my mind, I think there is going to be another layer when you are looking at pricing uh, and discounting. Sometimes customers simply keep that inside Magento. ERP does not even know about pricing and discount, but then you are sort of centralizing all your pricing and discounting inside your Magento channel. Uh, if you have other channels that are being served by your ERP, then uh, you know there, there is going to be a little disconnect there. So well, I, I think I think the key point here is she's a user not yep. a developer. And Magento was in fact developed by developers, not by marketers. And marketers are, are notorious for complaining about the complexity of systems and they want it to be easier. And um, that's not how the system was designed. Exactly, exactly. And we have this comment from the user as well. So that's actually validated by a user that this is a very developer friendly platform, which is great. But, you know, it's not going to be as great for your finance person <laughs> or the marketing person. Uh, and obviously, yeah. they are trying to do their jobs. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, obviously, there is a little problem with the promo. So, make sure you do a little research there uh, with the promotion functionality if you're going to be really heavy uh, on the promotional aspect of the system. And then the user has complained some more things here. We have second user. This is 11 to 50 employees. In my mind, that's a red flag. If you have 11 to 50 employees, why are you on Magento? Probably you should be on something else, uh, you know, until you grow to a point when you really need Magento. So here they are saying we used Magento CE 1.9 for our e-commerce company. We have over 50,000, 15,000 products. Okay. If you have 15,000 products, then probably that's a different story. Okay. And uh, then you are, they are saying that Magento was used by most departments, sales, customer service, marketing. You can have 20,000 products and performance is not an issue at all. It can manage a lot of sales customers. So again, I want to be careful when you think about the performance. So here, he or she is talking about the performance overall from the number of SKUs perspective, okay? If, uh, you know, that is not the only way of looking at the, the performance. The, the performance layer is also going to be applicable when you are going to be looking at number of transactions or number of visitors that you are going to get on your platform. So here, this is a very small company, obviously, they have a lot of products. They are trying to sell pretty much everything in the world, so which is okay. But this is not the, the only performance that you should be concerned about. You have to look at the transactional performance of the system as well. So, Robert, I'm actually going to pause there. I'll open up for the commentary or any comments that you might have or uh, you might have for the audience. Yeah, so the, the second user is, is basically mirroring what the first one said. You know, it's another marketing person. They're talking about, you know, it, it can handle their their size, but it's very difficult to modify. And so in some organizations, the marketing department owns e-commerce and many people, you know, when you have a title of like, you know, VP of e-commerce, many people classify that as a marketing role yep. and Magento requires a technology team to support it. It's, it's, and if you don't understand that you're going to be, um, not a happy camper. Yeah, could not agree more, Robert. And in fact, I mean, you know, the way you want to design your organization, I completely get that marketing should be controlling the platform. But when you look at the enterprise architecture, it's not just one system because you are going to be needing data from your other team. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you are going to be treating this as siloed marketing, uh, you know, you are not going to get the results. Okay. 
So make sure you are sort of coming together as one team and working with your finance counterparts, IT counterparts to design their architecture and then communicate what you need from my IT perspective, then solutioning for them, <laughs> you know, that might be a little easier on you. Uh, yeah, I think, there, unfortunately, I've been in a number of organizations where they were at loggerheads, where marketing and IT were at loggerheads all the time yeah. because they weren't speaking the same language, they didn't have the same expectations, and, you know, this is just where we have to have open dialogue exactly. and clear expectations and, you know, really setting priorities for what you're trying to achieve. Exactly. Could not agree more. And Robert, I mean, see, I can relate uh, with this. I mean, whenever we are dealing in our engagement, marketing is typically very siloed in general, the way they operate, the way they work. Yes, they are going to have their numbers. They are going to have their quota, which is tangible. But again, you need to work together as a team. If you really want to get results from your marketing effort, you need to be coordinated with your supply chain as well as your IT and, and, and finance. Yep. At the end Any of the day, if you can't sell your product quickly, it doesn't do you a lot of good. Exactly. Any other comments, Robert, before we close? No, sir. Amazing. Thank you so much uh, for joining everybody. If you joined for the first time, this was part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern and we review one vendor or the solution. So make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We are going to come back with another solution or the vendor. On that note, thank you everyone for joining tonight. Thank you everyone. Have a good night. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Robert Giovannini, who shares his insights into the e-commerce nuances for furniture manufacturers. Also, the interview with Ben Rudnick, who shares his insights into how companies can increase their revenue by improving the findability and searchability of their product lines. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.